tired of, of elections. Get tired of elections. I mean, think about it. It's, uh, uh, it seems like about the time you, you go, you vote you, for a set of candidates, it's time to vote for another set of candidates in the same cycle. It's kind of an endless debate, personal attacks, political advertising, and we go, ugh, election fatigue. Ugh. How about this one? I don't know if RJ was picking on one of the young ladies earlier today. This downstairs just started a job. How many of you are tired of paying taxes? I, uh, you go, oh, I understand. I'm grateful. I live in America. I'm grateful for the privilege I have to pay taxes. I'm thankful that I live in the greatest country in all the world. But it seems like about the time I file my taxes, I have to turn around and start working on them again. I have to start that process all over. I get tired of, Miss Sherry was meddling in Sunday school this morning. I just have to say that. I get tired of traffic. I get tired of traffic. She, uh, she was talking about traffic. I don't care where, where you live, but there are certain times of day that it feels like we almost become a prisoner in our neighborhoods. You know, if, especially I, I get down in the city quite a bit, and I feel like a prisoner if I get in there uh, about 4.15 uh, or later in between that and about 5.45, I feel like a prisoner down there. Everything stops, slows right down. It's not worth much down there. And, uh, and you go, oh, I'll, uh, I'll be over. Somebody says, I'll be over in just a little while, and you live down there. That's not a little while. I told somebody, they said, you live out in the country, out where there isn't anything. And I said, yeah, and it's a blessing. And they said, yes, but it takes you so long to go to the store. And I looked at him and I said, hold on just one minute. Hold on a second. How long does it take you to drive to Walmart? And the, the lady looked at me and she says, it takes me 30 minutes. And I said, I said, you live less than five miles from Walmart. I live 15 and it takes me less than 15 mi- minutes to get to Walmart. I said, and then she says, I said, how about the grocery store? There's got to be one closer than that. And she goes, no, it's only about 15 minutes. I said, uh, you know what? I can run it and I'm 15 minutes. And uh, I said, that's a traffic jam is a terrible thing when we run into it out here because it stops traffic for everything. But, you know, it's just kind of funny because you look and you go, there it is. So, uh, anyways, I also get tired of answering email. I don't know about you, but that's one of those things that drives me crazy. I, I swear, you can't, there, if, if you're like me, there's one thing you can't take a vacation from, and that's email. My email just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and coming, and you go, oh, you try to get away from it, and you come back, and you're so stressed out, you need to go on vacation again. It's just unbelievable the amount of, of, of email that's out there. I, um, but I'll tell you, there's one thing I never get tired of, although Miss Rachel has a different opinion about this with me. I never get tired of Christmas. Christmas. Now, I like Christmas to have its time. Let's make sure I'm specific in that before I, I go any further. I like Christmas to have its time, um, but I don't get tired of Christmas. I, I don't want Christmas to start before Thanksgiving. We've forgotten that holiday in so many ways. That, uh, that I don't want Christmas to start until after Thanksgiving. And, uh, and so I... Uh, I, I happen to love those folks that uh, sing songs about not being allowed to start until the day after Thanksgiving. I happen to appreciate that, and uh, I, I love those. But I never get tired. I, I, uh, I do grow a little weary of Christmas carols once in a while. 
but there's enough new ones out there that uh, that's all right. I like decorations. We like to go see the lights. I don't know about you. Thankful for the lights. Thankful for what we get to see. And I never get tired of the of the season. The people during the season is completely different time of the year. I love the month of December. I wish December was every month. Now, those that work retail look at me and go, no. No, please. No. But the rest of it, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I love the, the people. People are just so different during the uh, during the Christmas season, uh, coming into those days. And, you know, yeah, there are some folks that get a little bit rude, but you know what? It's amazing how simple it is. Never get tired of the of the season. And and I never get tired of preaching who about Christmas and who Christmas is really all about. I uh, I love. It. I was looking uh, a couple of months ago trying to plan my Christmas sermons and and what we're where we were going and and I thought it was funny because I started looking back and I said you know I have uh, I've I've been pastor for 23 years and I uh, I thought it was funny that I have over a hundred sermons on Christmas that have been prepared and uh, and I started chuckling because I said well and they're all named different. And I go. That's. Uh, I, I was curious. I, I'm. I'm going to after Christmas. I'm going to sit down and read them all. I'm wondering how much or how similarities. How many similarities there are, and uh, as we go through. But I just. I love to preach about who Christmas is all about. The Lord Jesus. And and I often wonder how many people, including church-going people, truly understand what Christmas is all about. Truly understand what Christmas is all about. We're. Uh, uh, I'm going to begin. Uh, uh, a series over the next couple of weeks that I'm going to call Christmas Unwrapped. We're going to unwrap the gifts. And uh, as we unwrap, and before we unwrap Christmas gifts, I believe we need to unwrap the gift of Christmas. So we're going to, going to uh, as we enter the, the course, uh, we might call it Christmas 101, but uh, today we're going to talk about Christmas biology. Next week we're going to talk about Christmas theology, and the last one, the doxology, Christmas doxology. We'll, we'll take some fun words with that. And so today we begin with one part of Christmas that truly makes uh, Christmas Christmas, and that's the virgin birth. The virgin birth. The virgin birth is found in two of the four Gospels, Matthew and Luke. It's especially fascinating to know that uh, Luke talks about it because Luke was a doctor, and both accounts are very clear. Uh, Jesus' birth was not an ordinary birth. He was not an ordinary baby, and his conception did not come about in an ordinary way. So I want to assert that that his mother Mary was a virgin, had had no intercourse prior to conception of birth. So the narratives are plain. He uh, he had an earthly mother, but a heavenly father. And every Christmas, two billion people around the world come together, celebrate the birth of Jesus, not because he was born, but how he was born. He was born, you, you, as you might imagine, the. Virgin birth remains the second most controversial miracle in all of history. It's one of those that everybody gets stirred up, and and you go, it's a, it's a uh, following the resurrection of Jesus. That's the second most controversial, the virgin birth. And you just kind of shake your head and you go, hmm. And as you expect, it's been under attack from scientists and physicians and people who simply say, uh, 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 come, uh, common sense says that it can't be and. There has always been the desire to cut Jesus down to size, make him fit into a mold. And these attacks even come from, from the corners that you wouldn't expect. 
places that you wouldn't wouldn't think, or uh, a, fam- a former famous uh, pastor of a large mega church said over a decade ago, he said that it would be a, a big deal if it were discovered that Jesus had an earthly father named Larry. You shake your head and you go, no. Thomas Jefferson in a letter to John Adams wrote this. He said, the day will come when the mysterious, gen- mysterious generation of Jesus by the supreme being as his father in the womb of a virgin will be classed with the fable of the generation of Minerva and the brain of Jupiter. When asked if he could interview anyone from history, who would it be? The response has been more times Jesus Christ than any other individual. When asked what would you ask, Jesus replied, would be I would like to ask him if he indeed was born of a virgin and whether he really did rise again. I find those answers or questions to be huge because I believe the answer to that question is a is is history defining. I also believe it's a clear cut answer to the question. And so I believe the virgin birth is the underlying assumption in everything we read and and all that we know about Jesus. About Jesus. And and so as uh I believe the virgin birth is is essential to Christianity and if we understand Christmas biology, we'll see why. It's not about uh, significance that the very first gospel begins with the very first chapter and establishes right away that Jesus was both human and divine. Matthew's going to tell us three things about the true, uh, that are true about this baby that was indeed born 2,000 years ago. We, uh, we believe Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God. Now Matthew describes the birth of Jesus and he does it in an unusual way. We look in chapter 1 and verse number 18, he says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise. When as his mother was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take thee unto thee, Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now about all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised up from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. (coughs) I look at the introduction, and it's unusual. Matthew takes 17 verses to talk about ancestry. If you'll look at those 17 verses prior to what we read. He's given the ancestry and and the genealogy of Jesus. And basically he introduces the birth of Jesus in one verse. We get down there and and he, he states Jesus was not conceived by an earthly father, namely Joseph. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. There's an even deeper uh, uh, biological uh, uh, problem, biologically speaking, 
It's uh, certainly not unusual for a woman to conceive and give birth, but Matthew and Luke spare no detail. They, uh, they don't have a problem to, in making sure to, we understand that Mary was a virgin. Back in verse 16, in the recording of the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew states, Jacob, the father of Joseph, and the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. You look and you go, there's a, the picture. You notice that every single person listed in that genealogy has a father except for Jesus. Jacob was the father of Joseph, but it does not say that Joseph was the father of Jesus. Although in Jewish tradition, genealogy is always passed from the father, not the mom. Matthew wants to be clear. Jesus did not have a, a human father, but it was that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Mary was a virgin. A doctor named Luke records Mary's response when she finds out through an angel that she's pregnant with child. Mary asks, how can this be? How can this be? Mary asks the angel, since I'm a virgin, how can this be? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Now there's something Mary knew beyond a shadow of doubt. There was no human father. Joseph didn't know what Mary knew, but he knew one thing. Joseph knew he wasn't the father. Joseph knew that. He says that he knew because Joseph, her husband, was fearful. Notice back there in chapter number 19, it says Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. We look and we go, there's the, he didn't want to disgrace her. Mary and Joseph were engaged, but they were not married. They, uh, and they had not had sexual relations. And from the moment that Joseph saw the baby bump, there was one question burning in his mind that must have been burning in the mind of any man that, in, in that position. Who's dad? Who's the dad? He knew that the penalty for adultery was being stoned to death, and he didn't want anything bad to happen to Mary, so he was just going to privately check out of the relationship. Well, there's an assumption that he made, and that is if she's pregnant, she can't be a virgin. But she was both. See, scientifically, biologically, physiologically, it seems to be an impossibility. Scientists have hypothesized that perhaps this was the instance that uh, of what's known as parenthogenesis. One of those great words I can't hardly get spit out in, in one, uh, it's like a sentence in itself, but you realize it's a natural form of asexual reproduction in which growth and development of an embryo can occur without fertilization, and you realize it's never happened in a mammal. That's the simple way to put it. So many difficulties with the, the hypothesis that uh, uh, a leading expert in the, in the field at the University of Tulsa said, I've been asked about the virgin birth many times, and honestly, I can come up with no feasible explanation as to how a female that had abstained from intercourse could give a birth to a child of either sex. Not possible. The question is not how Jesus was born. He's born the same way all babies are born. 
But now, how was he conceived? How was he conceived? And who conceived him? The clear answer from Scripture and the reason why we celebrate Christmas and what makes his birth so, so unique is he, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in a virgin. I understand in the 21st century, eyes rolled, heads shake, mouths laugh. You understand that the difficulty of believing in a virgin birth, you uh, have difficulty believing in God. When Mary raised her objection to the angel, simply said, how can this be? And the answer came in Luke chapter 1 when, she, when the angel said, well, with God all things are possible. Anything's possible. Nothing's impossible with God. If God can create the world out of nothing, if God can create the first man and the first woman with no parents, you should have no difficulty believing that God can cause a woman to conceive in her womb while still a virgin and be himself the father. See, we believe Jesus came as the son of God. Now, the facts are these. Joseph is engaged to the woman named Mary with whom... Uh, not only was uh, he's had no sexual relations, but she has had no sexual relations with any other man. In fact, we, uh, we, we need to talk about the two virgins in, in the story. Mary was a virgin, but so was Joseph, and yet a baby is on the way. It makes you go, oh, wait a minute here. A baby's on the way. Both Mary and Joseph know that the baby's going to be a boy. He's going to be a son. The fact is greatly emphasized as you read through the scripture in, in verses 20 and 21. When he tells him, don't worry. Notice verse 21, she shall bring forth a son. I shall call his name Jesus. All of it took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet back in, the, in, in Isaiah in verses 21 and 22. Uh, three of our, our text and then down in verse number 25 it tells us that Joseph waited waited they're about to become the parents of a son but the question remains again whose son is he to leave no doubt Dr. Luke records the, how the angel made it clear the angel answered the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you the Holy One will be called the Son of God Son of God. We look and you go, there he is, the, the Son of God. I, Adrian Rogers tells a story of how uh, God had arranged for him to have some time alone with Muhammad Ali. Some of you might remember Muhammad Ali. I always chuckle with all of Muhammad Ali's stories because my favorite one of all of the stories is was when he got on the airplane. And uh, when he got on the airplane and the stewardess told him that he needed to buckle his seatbelt. And he told her, he said, Superman. Don't need no super, don't need no belt. And the stewardess looked back to him and very simply said, and Superman don't need no plane, buckle your seatbelt. I love that. But Dr. Rogers, he was telling about meeting with Muhammad Ali before one of his fights one time. And in the, in the process, Muhammad Ali had been raised in a Christian home, but he had begun studying uh, uh, um, Islamic faith. And they're talking back and forth, and he, uh, he looked at Dr. Rogers, and he says, Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the unique Son of God, just because he was born of a virgin? Adam didn't have a father or a mother. Would that make Adam more Son of God than Jesus? And as Dr. Rogers would have a classic answer, 
I appreciate the way he, uh, he thinks. And he looked at him and he said, Champ, you need to understand something. Jesus was not the son of God because he was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin because he was the son of God. Very different picture there. And you look and you go, you see the, the glory of Christmas is the story of Christmas, which is that Jesus was born the son of, uh, of a human mother and the, the son of a heavenly father. See, if Jesus had not been born of a, of a human, we couldn't believe that he was fully human. But if he hadn't been, been only, a, if he'd only been human through the union of a father and a mother, we would question how divine or the fact that is he God. We would actually go where it is. Let me put it this way. Suppose the parents of Jesus had both been divine, God plus God, then he would have just been God. So he wouldn't know the, he wouldn't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He, we wouldn't be able to look and say, and like all points, like as we, he was tempted. He was God. And we'd write him off as just somebody else. And we'd go, that's somebody else's supernatural. We'd almost look at him like a superhero. But instead, we begin to walk through and you begin to look and you go, wait a second here. And if he's human, mom, dad, Mary, Joseph, then he's just like you and I. There's no God factor at all. You look and you go, he's, then he wouldn't be God. See, that's why the virgin birth is just as important to the story of Jesus as his sinless life. His death on the cross, his resurrection. Jesus came as he did from a virgin to, to, to be what he was, sinless. And he was what he is, or what he was, sinless, to do what he did when he died for us on the cross. He died for our sins to do what he did, which was to atone for our sins. He did what he did. He did it like that. So because he was the son of God, we could become the children of God. He was born of a virgin, the son of God, that we might be born again as children of God. But as many as, gave, but as, many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And I go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Because I didn't have that way before. He left the throne room of heaven. Rachel said it earlier. He left his place. I love the statement. He left his place to come to our place, to take our place, that we might go to his place. I didn't have a way before. He bridged the gap. He made a way when there seemed to be no way. See, we believe Jesus covered our sins with, with God. See, we, we have, to, have to feel sorry for for Joseph and Mary, in a way, Mary was going to have a baby, even though she is a virgin. Joseph is going to have a son he didn't conceive, and then, to add insult to injury, neither one of them even get to name the baby. Think about that for a second. My goodness, we went through that time when our kids were, were in the womb, and we're talking about all the names. Had the baby books out. All of mine got nixed. Brittany almost had some obnoxious names. Hannah almost had more obnoxious names. And now we kind of joke back and forth once in a while in private and go, that would have been funny because it would have fit her personality a little different. Oh, 
And if I say it, it's on recording, and Brittany will say, oh, it's there, so I can't say any of those names. It'd get me in trouble now. I thought it was funny. I read about a mother in New Jersey who had twin boys, a boy and a girl. She was from Yugoslavia, and in that country, the mother is not supposed to leave the hospital until the children are named. They are uh, not allowed to do so and uh, until a relative names the baby. Her husband was away on business and couldn't get home for a couple of days. She wanted to go home, so she asked her husband's brother if he would name the twins. The husband finally got back, and uh, he was surprised to find his wife home, and he said, who named the baby? She said, your brother. He said, what did he, he name them? He, she said, well, he named the little girl Denise. He said, that's not nice. That's not so bad. What did he name the boy? She said, he named him the nephew. should encourage me by laughing sometimes the human name for the boy would be Jesus it was common ordinary name of the day Jesus is a Greek form of a Hebrew word Yeshua Yeshua which is the Hebrew form of the English word Joshua it literally means God saves that one name tells us two things about Jesus that the virgin birth on the one hand, he's a human being with a human name that came to live among us. He is also a God who came to save us. He's a God who came to save us. That, that's why he alone qualifies to be the one thing that this world needs more than anything. And that's a Savior. That's a Savior. If someone's going to save us from our sins... On, on the one hand, the person must be, be human, who is a human being who can, who can die. He must also be sinless human, being that, that so that he could die for my sins, not his own. That's why Jesus was born like all babies were born. But he was not conceived like all babies were conceived. He was not just a son. He was God's son. He was not just a human. He was a sinless human. He was in no way a sinner, but he was in every way a savior. In every way a savior. So if Jesus was not born of a virgin, we not only have a problem with God, we have a problem with the word of God. It plainly teaches that he was we have problems with Mary because she wasn't that pure innocent little teenager who never knew anybody because with somebody somewhere somehow she slipped up messed up then we have a problem with Jesus because if he was descended from a human mother and a human father therefore only a descendant of Adam then he had a sin problem just like we would. And the lights of Christmas would be extinguished. The carols of Christmas would go silent. The story of Christmas would have never been written. But we understand we celebrate Christmas the way we do because it all begins with biology. The teenagers would look at me and go, oh, you brought school into church again? 
It all begins with biology. No one was conceived like Jesus was conceived. No one lived like Jesus lived. And no one died like Jesus died. No one came back from the grave like Jesus came back from the grave. No one except Jesus qualifies to be our Savior. There was a skeptic who denied the virgin birth and he was talking to a follower of Jesus and he said, if I told you a child was conceived without a human father, born of a virgin mother, would you really believe me? The man replied, absolutely, if he lived as Jesus lived. You know, there's nobody like Jesus. There never has been and there never will be. We can look and go, I don't have to worry about that one. Because I know it's, as I walk through the scripture, I go, there we are. And he came unto his own. He came among us to do what? To save. To reach into your life and my life. You know, the great part about Christmas is, is, is over the next few weeks, it's so easy to tell people about Jesus. It is so easy. Folks say, Happy Holidays, and I smile. It might grind me a little bit on the inside, but I smile and I say, you have a Merry Christmas. You have a Merry Christmas. I try to encourage them along the way, you know, hey, don't miss. I'm so bold that I'll look at them and I'll say, don't miss what Christmas is all about. It's all about him. And he desires to meet us right where we are. You know, we can give him honor, we can give him glory, and we can give him praise. And he wants all of that. But the greatest thing in all the world we can give him is our heart. And say, here am I. Here's my heart. I surrender. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you and we are thankful. Thankful for you, Lord Jesus. I'm thankful.